voices together join in the hallelujah join with creation and all the angels singing his praise your love is
I just love those words. I love that we get to join with the saints for generations. We get to join with the angels and practice for that time when we get to see God face to face and never cease our hallelujahs. Thanks for uh, joining in today, church. And uh, we just have a great service planned. Pastor Sam is going to share some words with us in a few minutes. But before we get to that, we just want to see who is around us today. We want to grab the hands of a few people and welcome them in this place. You can go ahead and have a seat, Uh, and as we continue, again, if you are wondering what this church is all about, where do you fit, um, how do you become a bigger part of it, we have a great opportunity today at noon in the venue. Get to know Hope Vale. We'll be there. Uh, If you are interested, you can still sign up or you can just walk in. If you have questions, you can check out the Welcome Center on your way out of here today. But as we continue with what we're doing in this room, we want to continue in our worship and our praise as we participate in today's offering. Our ushers are going to come forward, and we want to give God the praise for this time. Let me pray. God, thank you for all that you provide and the ways that you provide. And God, even when we cannot see, we know that you are at work, and you are moving, and you are in control, and you are powerful. You are God. And we pray as we um, give these offerings, give these first fruits back to you, that you would use them to grow your kingdom, that you would use them to make your name known, that you would use them to let a light shine from here onward uh, because of who you are. Grow your kingdom, build your kingdom um, here on this earth as it is in heaven until that day when we get to see you face to face and give you praise because you are the Most High God. We love you, Jesus. Amen.
through your son, Jesus Christ. And we stand before you and we give you glory and honor. And maybe this is the time that we even take that step and give you our lives. We love you. We could never repay you, but we accept your grace, your mercy over us. We thank you. Your son Jesus, we pray. Amen. You can have a seat. Beautiful outside, isn't it? I was uh, just standing backstage listening to you. Yeah, I know. We've been in the, uh, <laughs> the cold weather for a while, so it's good to be able to get outside again and get warm. Um, my name is Sam. Um, I am the next-gen pastor here at Hope Vale. And I was just standing back there uh, backstage just listening to you guys sing. And I just, it, it's, it's just a, a beautiful thing when the church gets together and sings together and sings praises about who God is. I just absolutely love that. Um, I want to spend our time here this morning together talking about something that uh, we here at Hopevale feel is huge on the scale of importance, not only to our church, but the church all over the world, and that is how we can pass um, on the faith, the torch of faith, to the next generation, and how we can continue um, that on. We have this huge value here at Hopevale of reaching the next generation and influencing them for Jesus. I've been a student pastor for about 15 years now, and I get the awesome privilege of directly working with the next generation. Um, for about the past like 10 years or so, there have been some pretty staggering statistics about teenagers and what happens faith-wise with them once they graduate from high school. Um, and I've actually seen this play out in front of me um, as I've been a youth pastor. There, there are several research groups that studied this, and they all kind of came to the same conclusion. Uh, they have different um, stats about it, different percentages, but really they all came to the same conclusion. And that conclusion was this, it's that the next generation of students are starting to abandon the church once they hit college. Once a student graduates from high school and they step into college, if, if they've been in church before, the stats are telling us that anywhere from 50 to 65%, maybe even 60 to 65% of those students are abandoning the church. And when you dig a little deeper into this and you try to figure out why 
the reasons, they're a, a bit alarming, especially if you're somebody like me who, who does what I do for a living. The reason that they discovered was this, it's that the church, not just Hopeville, but the church in general, has been graduating students out into college with a weak, fractured, and anemic faith. They just aren't prepared once they hit the college or university level for what they're about to face. They don't know what they believe or why they believe it, and when their faith gets challenged, they begin to buckle and it begins to fracture. And so when I began to discover these um, statistics a few years back, I asked myself two really big questions. Question number one is, is this true about my ministry? (laughs) I really wanted to know, is this true about my ministry? And then the second question I ask is, what can I do about it? As a student pastor, what can I do about this to help reverse these statistics? As I went after those two questions, what I found out was this. It's that these statistics are true about just about every church that's out there. It didn't matter how big the church was or how small the church was. It didn't matter um, what area of the country you were located in. These statistics were true, and I started seeing how they were playing out in my ministry, that we were graduating students who ended up abandoning the faith, and I started wondering, why are they doing this? And then the second thing that I I began as I researched this out to to understand and, and realize was that there was only a limited amount that I, or even the church, could do about this. We could do something, but there was only a limited amount that we as the church, uh, just by ourselves, could do. See, all the research was telling us that the, these statistics, but they were also saying that here's what we can do about it. And, then, and the thing that they were telling us to do about it was all the same. And then there was the, the churches that started reversing this trend. And what they were doing was all the same thing, too. And so the, the thing that, they, that the statistic people said that this is how you reverse this and the churches that were getting it right, this is how they reversed it. This is what they did. The church and the family got on the same page early on in the life of a child and began to work together to impact kids and students and equip them to head out into the world with a strong and ready faith. The church and the family got together. They got on the same page, and they said, this is an issue that, that's, ha- that's happening. How do we solve this? We get on the same page early on, and early on in the life of a child, we come up with a game plan that has the end in mind. So when they graduate from high school, they're ready, and they're equipped to face the world with their faith. They thought with the end in mind. And, and the sobering reality of being a parent, and I am one of three kids, The sobering reality of being a parent is this. From the moment your child is born, you are preparing them to leave you and to face the world. And I know that can seem like a dark and depressing and sad reality, but it's truth. I mean, ask anyone in here who's an empty nester, who they've they've watched their kids go out. They'll tell you it's true. That from the moment your child is born, you're preparing them to leave you and to go out into the world. And this is either going to happen to you, or you'll get to play an active part in it. In the next-gen world around here, we we call this phenomena losing your marbles. And some of you, um, as you drop off your kids in the the children's wing, maybe you've seen some glass um, jars with some little uh, glass beads in them. Um, Back there, there's three of those glass jars. Each one of those glass beads in those jars, they represent a week in the life of a child. And, and a couple of those represent how many weeks a child has in Tot Town, our preschool ministry. And, and one of them is how many um, weeks a child has in Kid City, our elementary ministry. Uh, but each one of those 
Glass beads represents a week. We, we use glass beads. We also use marbles when we talk about this. And so up here, um, I have a, a jar full of marbles. Um, it actually used to be a lot more full than this, um, but now the ones that were in this are in this bag. This jar started out with 936 marbles in it. And each one of these marbles, all the 936, they represent um, the time every week from the time a, a child is born until they hit their 18th birthday. Okay, so this actually represents my son, Nick. He's nine and a half years old, and left in this jar are 439 marbles, 439 weeks until my son, Nick, hits his 18th birthday and walks out and becomes his own man. Now, for me, that seems like a silly thing because he's nine and a half and he's about this tall, that one day he's going to be this big man, but it's the truth. And so uh, to me, I look at that and I think, well, it's such a long way off. He's in third grade now. He's going to be, you know, a senior at some point, but that's so far away. But as I started doing this and, and looking at this, the crazy reality was to see how many marbles I actually took out of this jar. There are 439 marbles in this jar, but I took out 497 of those marbles. That means that I took out more than are left in. That means my son Nick is, is more than halfway there to that end goal. See, and every week we're going to take out one marble out of this jar as a physical reminder to us that one day this jar is going to be empty and Nick is going to walk out into the world on his own. And the question for my wife Sarah and I, when this jar is empty, the question that we're going to ask ourselves is this is that did we prepare him? Did we prepare him? Did we help him understand Jesus? Did we equip him to walk out into this world and stare it in the face and boldly live out Jesus? And those are the questions that my wife and I are going to ask. See, this is reality if you are a parent here. And you can either view this as a sad occasion or you can view this as a huge opportunity to instill something awesome into their life. As a family, and in this day and age, that term family can mean a lot of different things, but the way we use it around here at Hopevale is that if you're a primary, um, if you're the primary person who is giving um, direction, if you are the primary caregiver for a child, then we say that you're their family. You're that child's family. So as a family, there's a big responsibility and a big opportunity that you have to impact the next generation, to impact your children in a lasting way that will matter for all of eternity. In fact, God instructed us as families to do this. Look what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 5 through 9. Moses is talking to the nation of Israel, and uh, God instructs him to say it this way. He says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the doorframe of your houses and on your gates. God instructs you and I as parents, caregivers, families to pass on faith to the next generation. And I love the imagery of how he tells us to do this. He basically says, by any means necessary, pass on faith. You know, every time I read this passage of Scripture, um, I think of that old book by Dr. Seuss, Green Eggs and Ham. 
Uh, you know, the book where it's like, do you like them here or there or anywhere? And I, I think of this as I read this because it's like, you know, God says, instruct your families, impress faith upon them. Where? Well, here, there, everywhere, with a fox in a box. I mean, like, it, it, that's just what comes into my mind as I read this. God is saying, wherever you find yourself with your kids, and as many times and as many places as you can, remind them, instruct them, impress faith upon them. This is going to be huge. Because if the family doesn't take this responsibility seriously, and I want you to hear me on this, if the family does not take this responsibility seriously, the research is telling us that we're going to lose the next generation. The family has got to step up and take this seriously. But the good news is it's not solely up to just the family. The family plays a huge part in this, but they're only half of the partnership. We as the church... We play the other role. We play the other half. And so you may be here today and you may be thinking, well, my kids are long grown up. I mean, they have their own kids and their kids have kids. Like, what's my part in this? You, as a part of the church, have a huge responsibility in the next generation. You may be here and you're like 20 years old and you're like, I don't even have kids. What am I supposed to do with this? How am I supposed to? You are a part of the church. You have a huge responsibility to impact the lives of the next generation. See, as, as the church, we partner with the family. We resource the family. We equip the family. It's only when both the church and the family are working together as our kids are beginning to lose their marbles that we can successfully reach and impact the next generation. We have to work together and partner together. There are a couple of verses in the Psalms that actually speak now, to the attitude and influence that I think the church should have on the next generation. And these are sort of my key verses of, of why I feel we should be full-on invested in the next generation here at Hopeville. Psalm 71, 17 to 18. Look what it says. It says, Since my youth, God, you have taught me, and to this day I declare your marvelous deeds. Even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, my God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who are to come. See, when the love of the family that surrounds these kids and when the light of the church because of who Jesus is combines together in a very strategic way, then we have a bigger shot at being more influential, more impacting, more inspiring to the next generation about who Jesus is in their lives. And that is what we are all about here at Hopevale. That's what we are all about. So I want to spend the rest of our time here this morning talking about the what and the how. The what and the how. We know the why. I think we just spent the last few minutes talking about why this is important. But but what do you do? How do you do it? I mean, what are the things that we need to be strategically doing as family and church together to reach and influence our kids and students over the long haul? Because remember, our time with them is short and our time with them is running out. We're losing our marbles with them. So what can we do to make each one of these marbles count? What can we do? Well, we can do a few things over time that matter because the reality is this. Whatever matters is going to matter more over time. Whatever matters matters more over time. I mean, just think about that for a second. If, if something matters to you deeply then it's going to matter even more over time. The longer that you are committed to something, 
the more it matters to you. So whatever matters, matters more over time. So what are the few things that we as family and church together can begin to do over time to make, an inf- uh, make a difference and make an impact in the life of a child for Jesus? Well, this morning I want to talk about six big investments that we can begin to make in the life of a child or a student over time that will begin to impact them for Jesus. The first one, and maybe one of the most important things that we can begin to invest in the life of a kid or a student, is time itself. It's time itself. You know, I, I've never met a kid who said, you know what, I just don't like it when you spend time with me. <laughs> I've, I've never met a kid who said that. In fact, we know that the opposite is true, right? The more time that we invest and choose to invest in the life of a, a child or a student, the more they, they tend to notice and the more they're excited about it. I mean, just think about someone who's played a crucial role in your life in helping you develop you into who you are today. Just think about that person. I bet one of the things that you absolutely love about that person is the fact that they invested time into you. It left a lasting impression. It earned them credit with you. When you repeatedly show up time and time and time again in the life of somebody else, it creates meaningful moments. It creates impact. It creates influence. It buys you credit with them. As a parent, spending time with your kids is crucial. It's crucial. The more time you spend, the more investment you make, especially if we're going to impress faith and values on our our children because faith and values are not like this instant thing. You can't shortcut faith. It takes time. So if we're going to, the more time you spend, the more investment you make, the bigger shot we have at having influence in their lives. That is why it is so important as a family that we invest time over time in the life of our kids. We need to begin to invest more and more time. This is also why we as a church love to see our small group leaders of kids and students grow up with them year after year after year because it's a time over time investment in them. Now, she didn't know I was going to do this this morning, but I want to brag on one of my student ministry small group leaders, if that's okay, um, here this morning. Candace Short was a, uh, a student who grew up at, in Ignite, our high school ministry, and when she was done there, she decided that she wanted to invest into a, a, group, a small group herself. She wanted to invest in a group of girls. And so she started out with this group of girls when they were in sixth grade. And she has continued year after year to be their group leader. And today, those girls are seniors in high school. I mean, think about that. That is seven years that Candace has invested in those girls. She has seen them go from 11 and 12 years old to now 17 and 18 years old. And she, we talk about a time over time investment. Candace now has earned credit with them. She has major influence in their life because of the time that she chose to invest over time with them. And we as ministry leaders in the church, we love it when that happens because it begins to impact and influence these kids. And there are, there are so many others in our children's ministry, in our student ministry, who have been doing the exact same thing. And I didn't want to leave them out. I can't say all their names because there's a lot of them. But there are so many. Maybe some of you here this morning, you, you have found yourself in a time over time investment in the next generation. And we are so excited that you have chosen to do that and invest that because all that time is going to equal influence in the end. 
So if we want to make a difference in the life of a kid or a student, we need to learn to spend time over time with them. So the big investment number one that we make is time. The second investment that we begin to make in the life of a kid or student is we need to learn how to make the investment of love over time. We need to learn to invest love over time in the life of a kid or a student. Kids and students are searching for three things. They're asking themselves three really big questions. Question number one, who am I? Question number two, do I fit? And question number three, do I matter? Those are the big three questions that they're asking. Who am I? Do I fit? Do I belong here? And do I matter? And that third question, that's a question that they're asking about love. They're basically asking, does anybody love me? Does anyone love me? Reggie Joyner in his book, Playing for Keeps, says it like this. He says, kids desperately need adults who will love them in a way that will convince them that they are worth something. Kids need adults who will tell them, I love you, you're worth something. Because they're asking that question, do I matter? Does anyone love me? And if kids and students can't find love in a healthy way at home or in their church or in their school, they're going to go looking for it in an unhealthy way someplace else. So we need to be able to provide them a place where they feel loved. Parents, that's why we need to shower our own kids at home with unconditional love. Your child should never question whether or not you love them. Even when you have to discipline them. Even when you have to be the bad guy and make an unpopular decision about what they need versus what they want. They need to know in those moments that you love them. And, and love doesn't mean like throwing the rule book out. It doesn't mean everything goes but what it does mean is it means being a consistent presence in their life and creating loving boundaries for them. And it especially means that when they cross those boundaries in the midst of the punishment, that you continue to show up and be consistent because that proves to them that you're committed to them no matter what, that you love them no matter what. Church, this is why we need more adults to step it up and get in the game and serve in our next-gen areas, in preschool, elementary, middle school, high school, because the more adults that we have that can love kids and students over time, the more powerful the impact it's going to create. Because a lot of kids and students are creating their sense of worth off of the answer to the question, does anybody love me? And the research is showing us that the earlier a child feels loved, the more confident they are in their own self-worth. As they grow up, the World Health Organization says this. It says that research now shows that many challenges in adult society, mental health problems, obesity, stunting, heart disease, criminality, competence and literacy and numeracy, look at this, have their roots in early childhood. They have their roots in early childhood. The earlier a child feels loved the more confident they will be in their own self-worth as they grow up. That's why our Tot Town ministry is so important. That's why the people who invest their time just to hold a baby back in Tot Town is so important because the earlier a child feels loved, the more confident they will be in their own self-worth as they grow up. Bottom line, showing a child love over time should be a huge priority to us because it will affect who that child will become as they grow up. And so we need the family to be a hub of love where a child knows they're loved. And we need as many adults in the church as we can to step up and begin investing love over time in the lives of our kids and students. 
So we have time that we invest. We have love that we invest. The third big investment that we can make in the life of a kid or student is words. Words over time. Words matter, right? I know that sounds pretty obvious to say, but I think one of the the realities when we start to understand this big time is when we get misunderstood or when we have a really hard time communicating with somebody else. That's when we start to begin to understand that words really matter. I took a group of of high school students to the Dominican Republic um, last summer to do a, a Bible camp for about 150 Dominican kids. And so we planned, we prepped, we were ready for just about anything The one big thing that I was a little bit nervous about was the fact that most, if not all, of our students that were going had no experience with the Spanish language at all. (laughs) They didn't speak Spanish at all. But I thought, you know, that's not really going to be that big of a deal. We'll have interpreters there, and that'll be good. Uh, But we found out when we got there how much words really do matter when most of our interpreters couldn't understand what we were trying to tell them, let alone the kids that we were trying to communicate to. Uh, I, I'm not quite sure how the words, can you tell them to sit in a circle turned into run around, scream, throw dodgeballs at us? I'm just not sure <laughs> the translation there. And now that I think about it, it may not have been a language barrier at all because that happens with American kids too. Um, but <laughs> there were several times that we would try to communicate with these interpreters and they would just look back at us with this blank stare on their face like, what? I don't know that. I don't know what you're talking about. It was frustrating, and we couldn't communicate well at times. Words matter, and we know that to be true in that situation, but they matter with our kids, too. I mean, think about this. The words that we use with kids and students have the ability to shape, and listen to this, they have the ability to shape the way that they see the world. They have the ability to shape the way they see themselves, They have the ability to shape the way they eventually will see God. Words matter. So if you want a child or student to understand what they're worth, if you want them to understand if they matter or not, the words that you speak to them and the words that you use about them matter in a big way. As a family, the words that you speak to your kids and about your kids carry significance. And they carry weight with them. They will either reinforce that you believe in them and they matter to you, or you will begin to communicate that you're disappointed in who they are. And nothing drags a kid's self-worth through the mud like the perception that mom, dad, stepmom, family, that they're disappointed in who I am as a person. And it's one thing to show disappointment over a choice or a situation which is completely normal and it's a, a part of correctly disciplining your child. But it's something completely different to show disapproval and disappointment over who that child is. And our words are a huge indicator to our kids about how we really feel. Because they read right through it, right? (laughs) They can see the heart of what we're trying to say. Jesus said it like this. He said, the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And our kids know that. They can sense that. The words that we use, they they see right through just the words straight to the heart of the matter. The words that we speak over time can make a huge difference in the life of a kid or a student. And so as a family and as a church, we need to make an investment of words into our kids over time. We need to speak words to them 
that help them understand who they really are and that they matter deeply to God and matter deeply to us. So we have time, we have love, we have words. The fourth big investment that we can make in the lives of kids and students are stories. I have all these books up here, um, and they represent, for me, they represent books that I've read since I was 11 years old up until this point today. And the reason I'm using those is because it's all about stories. Kids love and students love stories. They live in stories. I mean, there's a reason why uh, The Hunger Games, Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, the reason why they're so popular, it's because they are all at their core great stories. And every kid is wired to love a great story. I would even argue that all of us are wired to love great stories. I mean, I, I remember I loved sitting in my grandpa's golf cart as we would go golfing. He was driving around, and I'd love listening to him tell about his World War II stories. And I would just sit there like, this is so amazing uh, when I was a teenager. And then I, I look at my own son, Jonathan, who is seven years old. And when I tell him bedtime stories, he just, his eyes are this big. And he's like, this is so great. And I get to the end of it. And he's like, I want to tell a story. And then he starts telling a story. And they usually go someplace really weird. And then they end with a to be continued. Um, but he just absolutely loves stories. And he loves telling stories. And I bet you can even remember some of the great storytellers that you sat at their feet and you, when you were younger and, and you, how you hung on every single word that they said. Why? It's because we all love great stories. The next generation loves a great story. But more importantly, they want to live a great story. They want to live a great story. And they need a faith that will encourage them to take huge risks in order to live out the great story that God has for them. For the next generation, this means that they need to hear and to see the stories of the Bible in a way that relevantly connects to their life. And that's where both the family and the church can partner together. We need to be on the same page with this one, reinforcing biblical truth into the lives of our students, igniting that God-given imagination that they have to live out whatever God has put in front of them in a great way. And so this is the practical side of Deuteronomy 6 that we read earlier when he says impress faith upon your children. Talk about it all the time. And that's just my paraphrase of it. But what, it, what it's saying is allow the stories of the scriptures to inspire them. Reinforce the stories of scripture in a way that connects with your kids and helps them see a God in a bigger way, in a larger way and helps them see this is my, my story. This is where I fit into this. They need stories over time. They need an investment of the God-given stories throughout Scripture over time. So as a family and a church, we need to make that investment in the lives of our kids and students. The fifth investment that we can make in the life of a kid or a student is by giving them a, a, a place to belong, by investing them into a group over time. And that's what this hula hoop is up here for. Uh, because when we think about groups here at Hopeville, we think about circles, we think about circles. Because in a circle, there's no beginning, there's no end, there's no one part of the circle that's more important than the other part of the circle. It's all equal. It's, you know, unless you kind of do that. But anyway, it's, it's all pretty equal. And that's when we, we have kids sit in circles in a group together, it's the same thing. They all belong. They're all apart. They're all equal. 
They all have an equal say. They get a chance to share. No one's looking at them and going, well, I'm better than you. That's what we hope. That's our desire. We try to provide that kind of environment and atmosphere in our next-gen ministries because we are deeply aware of every child's longing to be a part of something, to fit in, to belong. Because when a child feels like they don't fit in, like they don't belong, it can be devastating to them. They can end up feeling lonely and isolated and rejected. Every child needs connection. Every child needs a community. Every child needs a group. They all need a place that they feel like they can belong. I mean, think back to what God said in Genesis chapter 2 when he was looking at, at his creation, Adam. He said this, Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, he said, It's not good for the man to be alone. It's not good for the man to be alone. The only thing that wasn't good when God created was the loneliness and the isolation of man. And so he ended up creating a woman to come alongside the man, to give connection, to give support, to give him a place where I belong to. It wasn't good then, and it's not good now. Everybody needs someone, especially our kids. They need to know that they belong, they fit. And it's our job as a family and a church to help our students connect in with the group and help them understand that they belong. As a family, your primary responsibility is making sure your child feels like they belong at home. We need to provide an atmosphere at home that says, there's a place for you here. And this is where you are known This is where you are welcomed. This is where you are loved. This is where you're forgiven when you mess up. You belong here with us. Our families need to provide that kind of environment for our kids. As a church, we are committed to to making spaces and environments where kids and students can belong. That's why we are all about, in our next-gen ministries, the large group, small group model in our programs. Because in large group, they can feel like they belong to something bigger that they're connected to something bigger. And then in small group, they can, they can feel like they're known and loved and cared for. And they can make connections that have the potential to be meaningful over time. And a group, I, I love this, a group is where a child can practically experience something very deeply spiritual. They can experience grace. They can experience grace. I mean, think about it. Grace is unconditional love and acceptance And that's what a child, when they walk into a group, what we want them to experience. In a group, they can experience love and acceptance. Not because of anything they did or because of who their mom and dad or whatever, but just because they are who they are and they're a part of the group, they can experience love and acceptance. When done well, groups communicate grace. We want every child to experience that kind of grace and experience that kind of belonging and that kind of connection. And so we invest groups over time in their life to help them understand that. Well, the sixth and final investment that I want to talk about this morning is something that I think can be easily overlooked, but I, sh- I think it should never be. And it's represented by this little tricycle. This is my daughter's tricycle. And uh, it's represented by this little skateboard. And it's the concept of fun over time. Fun over time. One of the easiest but most effective ways to get connected and stay connected with your kids is to have fun with them. <laughs> it's to have fun with them. 
Okay, let's just stop there. We can take a deep breath. Say this to yourself quietly. It's okay to have fun with my kids. <laughs> okay, Whew, we got that out of the way. All right. I mean, I, and guess what? It's okay for you to have fun too, especially in church. It's okay to have fun. Believe it or not, God actually designed you to have fun. But I think somewhere along the way, though, a lot of us, we, we grew up, we, we left the childish things behind us, and we've seemingly forgotten how to have fun. I think maybe it's because there are a lot of serious things that we have to deal with on a daily basis. Bills are coming in. This is going on. This is going on. But fun in that moment, because of all the serious things, tends to become an afterthought if we think about it at all. And we tend to lose it. I, I, I think we have a serious problem. We have a problem of taking things too seriously, of being too serious. But if you want to reach your kids, and as a church, if we want to reach the next generation, we need to get serious about seriously having fun with them. Having fun isn't a sin. Having fun is a way that we can connect with the next generation. So here's a question. What if we took more time to pause and have fun with our kids and our students? What would that do? And you may be asking, why does this matter? Why does fun matter at all? Well, it matters because it matters to God. God designed us to have fun. And, and it matters to your kids. <laughs> and it matters to the next generation. They deeply love having fun. And the Bible actually talks a lot about fun. It, it never uses the word, but it talks about it a lot. I mean, it uses the words like this, rejoice, joy, glad, dance, celebrate, cheerful, enjoy. I mean, I don't know about you, but those all seem like pretty fun words to me. I have a, a, a little three-year-old daughter named Karis, and one of the things that she absolutely loves to do is she loves to go into our kitchen and have the music on and just start dancing around and twirling. Now, I, I, I like having fun, okay? I'm, I'm someone who just enjoys fun. But I'm not quite the dancing and twirling kind of guy. Um, I don't know if you could tell or not. But um, so I, that's not my natural inclination to get out there with music and just start going. Oh. But when I see my little daughter in our kitchen, just twirling around, giggling, laughing, and having so much fun and enjoying life, I get out right there with her, and I start dancing around. And she comes up to me and she goes, "I'm a princess." And she says, and you're my prince. And I'm like, all right, I get to be the prince today. Yes, I love it. And you know what? It's fun. It's fun. And my daughter loves it. And I love it because it's investing something huge into her life that she loves. And it's connecting with her heart. We need to recapture fun in family and church so we can reach the next generation. So we invest time. We invest love. We invest words we invest um, stories. We invest groups. We invest fun over time in the life of the next generation so we can impact them for Jesus. So here's the big question, right? What do we do with all this information? What do we do with all this? Well, as a family, here's what I want you to realize. I want you to realize that your time with your kids is limited and it's running out. So make the most of every opportunity that you can. Invest in them over time. Fight for their heart. Love them unconditionally. Provide a place of acceptance and belonging for them. Impress and instill faith in Christ in them and have fun together. Do those things and you will begin to reach their heart and impact them for Christ. As a church, we need to get involved. 
We need to get in the game. We always need loving and caring adults who are going to invest and make a spiritual impact in the lives of kids and students over time. So we would ask you, become a small group leader. Invest a time over time investment in the lives of kids. Pray for our next generation ministries leaders. They need all the prayer and all the support and all the help they can get because they're on the front lines trying to help reach the next generation, generation for Jesus. Get involved and volunteer in our yearly Bible camp that's coming up in June. And that's a real easy, short way to get involved and make a difference in the life of a child or a student. So if, that's, if, if that kind of strikes with you and you're like, oh, I would love to do that, um, and if you'd like to get in the game and start investing in the lives of students and kids, as you walk out of here today in the lobby, um, right under that stained glass cross out there, there's going to be some computers. And we would, we would just like you to, to simply go up to those computers and fill out a simple form that says, yes, I'm interested in serving the next generation. And then you can select what ministry area that you, wanna, you would like to get involved with. There's, there's Tot Town, our nursery and preschool ministry. There's um, Kid City and Bridge, which are our elementary age environments. There's Wired, which is our middle school environment. And there's Ignite, which is our high school environment. And we even have need for our college students to get involved in our college ministry. We're also opening up the registration for Bible Camp volunteers today. We need a lot of volunteers to make Bible Camp a reality every year. And this year is no different. And so we especially need adults who will hang out with a group of kids for that week as a guide so there's a place on that form, if you were to click down through it, that says, yes, I want to serve at Bible camp. And we will we'll contact you within the next couple weeks to kind of get you rolling right into the game of, of helping reach the next generation for Jesus. We can't think of a better way for us to reach the next generation as a, as a church than for you to partner with us and get in the game and invest in the lives of a few kids and students. Our time with our kids, both in our families and the church, it's limited. So what I want you to understand here today as we get ready to close is that what you do in the life of a kid or student over time matters. It matters deeply. I want you to watch this video and then I'll come up and give us some closing instructions and we'll pray. The investment that you make in the life of a child over time matters deeply, and it impacts them for Jesus. Let's pray together. God, thank you for our time together here today. God, I pray that we would begin to make big investments in the lives of the next generation, because it's something that you deeply, deeply care about. I pray that we would care as much about it as you do, and that we would pass on faith to the next generation so that they can walk out into a world and boldly live out Jesus day and day and day again. God, thanks for our time together. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's go and impact the next generation. Thanks for being here.